0: Amen. Thank you, Steve, and the worship team. Thank you, Grace Church, for being here this morning, for taking the time out of your weeks to, to come and hear some of the words that the Spirit has laid on my heart, and I trust that will impact you as well by His will. Uh, this morning, as Ryan pointed out earlier, I'm going to be reading, uh, just talking about some things from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 26. And so to begin, I'm just going to read those out. And if you can, please stand in the hearing of God's word this morning. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 26. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given so Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body it would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. You can be seated if you did, stand. Yo. Just look at that camera instead of both cameras. Okay. All right. It's freaking, it's freaking, the, freaking the production team out. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, so this morning I'm going to be talking about the body of Christ. And I'd I'd, I'd like to point out, too, that this passage is the one that segues into what Pastor Ryan talked about last week, where he talked about how the most excellent way is to operate out of love. And so we need to keep this in mind when we're thinking about what it means to be members of the body. I'd like to start off with an illustration to just point out how each of us, are separate parts of a whole. Each of us represent one member in the body. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to use thing as an illustration. And um, I, uh, Adam's family has been around for a long time. And uh, one of the members of their family is the family pet thing, which is this disembodied hand. And that's what it is. It runs around like a little spider. It... Um, It's creepy, and and uh, but it's kind of funny too because it's uh, it's an autonomous hand. It's doing it's doing its own thing, and it just led me to think about how what is what is one of us without the body? Uh, What is one of us as a member unto ourselves? Uh, You know, thing is a handy guy. He's hey yeah yeah okay, laughter in the house. He's a he's a talented and gifted hand. Like he can dance. In the picture. <laughs> and um, for, for what he is, he, he can do a lot of stuff. He can give you the thumbs up. He can wave. He can point a gun at you in one episode, I think it was. Like, and so Thing has his own talents and abilities. But he is limited. There's a lot of things that a hand by itself can't do. There's certain things that hands aren't meant to do. Um, hands can't see. Hands can't hear things. Hands are very limited by themselves. They're still quite capable, but they're still quite limited. And a hand, because of this, is lonely without the rest of the body. It needs other people to completely fulfill its potential. I can't tie my shoe with one hand. I need two to do that. Um, I can't cook a meal with just my hand. I need my nose for that. I can't read a book with my hand. I use the hand to hold up the book for my eyes. The The hand's full purpose is realized. Uh, in, in community. But my first, my first thing I wanted to point out is just drawn from uh, verses 4 through 11. This is that the Holy Spirit gifts the members of the body. Um, the Spirit is the source of these gifts. That's something that I think is really important to remember. What we are able to do for the body is, uh, is from the Holy Spirit. It is given to us from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gifts us through empowerment, we read often in the Bible that the spirit of the Lord comes upon someone, such as the story of Samson, where the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he tore the, the gates and the posts out and carried them like uh, 20 miles away up a hill. That's, that's pretty intense, but that was the power of the spirit that came upon Samson. We also read in Isaiah 61, verse one, and Jesus quoted this later where Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor and proclaim the release of the captives. There's people here. I can't help it. I know there's a camera there and I know you guys are out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so the spirit, of, the spirit of God empowers us. Not just through his, his resting upon us, but he also creates us this way too. We read in Jeremiah 18 that... Uh, the way we are shaped and the way we are gifted and empowered is likened to God shaping us like a potter shaping clay into vessels designed for a particular purpose. Yeah. Romans 9, there's a, there's a statement in Romans 9, or maybe I should talk about the, the passage in Jeremiah 9, 18 first, where Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and the potter's working the clay on the wheel and the clay, it says, is marred in his hands. And the potter, recognizing that this particular shape isn't going to work, reshapes the clay into something else. And God says to Jeremiah, can I not do the same thing to Israel, to reshape it as I see fit into what I need it to be? Paul talks about, uh, about this idea of the clay being shaped by the potter in Romans 9 as well, where where Paul asks the rhetorical question, shall the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? And so when we're thinking about gifts and how we fit into the body and how each of us has been designed for a certain purpose, we need to remember that we have been shaped like clay vessels. And our purpose is not just something that comes from The Holy Spirit's resting upon us, but also comes through God's shaping and creation of us from the start. And this is something that is super exciting and cool to me. Um, Our purpose is redeemed when we are redeemed by Christ. It is not just our destiny that's redeemed, but it is also our created purpose that is redeemed towards the glory of God. We read in Colossians 1 verse 21 that our evil behavior alienates us from God. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. But verse 22 says that Christ's death has reconciled us to God. Yet now it says he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Our inbuilt purposes are redeemed through the work of Christ. The spirit is the source of the gifts and we are gifted differently for a reason. In verses seven through 11, we read about this idea of different gifting and we all, because of the service I have here, because the service rendered to God is different for each of us, the giftings are also going to be different. Each of us has a different part to play in this body. Um, when we are redeemed, and because we are redeemed, we are then gifted each according to our purpose. I saw a really cool table the other day which talked about gifts misapplied and how it was like, if you're an abrasive person, Like, if you're like, let's say you're a really outspoken, blunt person, that is a redeemable purpose. This is something that God has built into you, maybe not to be abrasive, but to, to be bold in speaking, to be honest and direct and, and clear with people as you tell them what's on your heart. Has your personality changed? No, not necessarily, but your purpose and your focus and your desires have God knows the role that we're going to play in his body. How cool is it that he then redeems us out of our place of alienation from God and from the spirit and puts us, unites us by his spirit with the body to fulfill our created inbuilt purpose with the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're meant to be this way by God's design. Who we are, our personality and purpose, this is a result of God's work. Our desires, rightfully submitted to God's authority, can be redeemed for his purposes. Our talents and abilities, they're part of who we are. We don't need to be ashamed of that. Sometimes we think that when we do something well, that it is not something that we can own as being part of who we are. And in some ways, yes, that's absolutely right. We are all that we are because of God's work in us. And yet at the same time, he made us this way. Can we not be glad that he has made us the way we are? Before, our regenerate, before regeneration by the, the blood of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, our personalities exist for ourselves. We are self-focused. Our desires are directed towards ourselves. Our gifts and talents are directed towards ourselves. All of these things that God has built into us, they're pointed inwards, not in their proper direction. But after we're regenerated, our personalities begin to reflect God's heart as we surrender our will and our desires to Him. Now those things that were directed towards ourselves and towards our own glory, they're directed outwards, and our desires begin to match those desires of God. Just like it says in Psalm 37:4: Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. I've wondered about that one sometimes. Is it that God is giving us what we want before we delight ourselves in the Lord? Or is it that in delighting in the Lord, our desires shift towards those things that he desires? Our inbuilt capabilities are redeemed for God's purpose when rightfully surrendered to his will. So each of us, as a separate member of the body, has a separate role to play, designed and built into us. So now, as many members in one body, each of us has a role to play. I would like to draw your attention to the humble and somewhat creepy, again, termite. To illustrate this idea of each of us having an inbuilt purpose that is distinct and yet benefits the whole. Termites are social insects. Uh, Each of them has a specific role to play. And the crazy awesome part about this is their physiologies begin to change in response to those purposes. Um, Each is patterned to serve a particular role in a termite colony. Uh, Some rely very much on other members for their own survival. The queen being a fantastic example. She is so, uh, she is so huge. Like this is, she's designed to create more termites but she can't move. She needs other termites to care for things even as simple as feeding herself. The soldier's jaws are so large for the purpose of defending all the members of the hive that they can't, they can't actually eat their own food. Somebody else needs to come and like spoon feed them their fungus or whatever it is they're eating. right? Like, but they each make up for each other's limitations. All of these creatures in their own specific purpose are are making up for the shortcomings of other members of the colony and the works of the colony when they're working together are phenomenal I've got a couple of pictures to refer to their mounds can grow up to four meters high or even more like uh, like just look at the scale of that one that's taller than a tree if you were to scale a termite to a human size that tower would be twice the height of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai that's some serious engineering. Um, and they're smart, too. The designs that they come up with, we got these things called compass termites, a different kind of termite. But they have, they, in their design and in their, in their makeup, they build the mounds to face the noonday sun so that they don't overheat. That's pretty smart. One, one termite couldn't do that. This design is so efficient and so, so incredible that there have been several buildings built which mimic this, uh, this natural cooling warming design. The Eastgate building in Harare in Zimbabwe is templated off a termite mound. And because of the efficiency that that design gives it, it uses 90% less energy than a building of comparable size that doesn't have that that termite mound design. But my point in bringing up termites as an illustration of members of a body is, is to remind us that each of us has a role to play in the body. Verse 20 or excuse me, back in the in 1 Corinthians 12 verse verses 12 and 13 remind us that the spirit baptizes us into one body. The spirit unites us with Christ. In Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Our baptism by water reminds us and embodies our unity with Christ's death and with his resurrection. Our new life as believers and as regenerated people are in Christ. Now our purpose as members of the body is to achieve the work of Christ and the work of Christ is the glory of God. As the Spirit unites us with Christ, the Spirit also unites us with one another. We read that we all share in the same Spirit. And because we share in that same Spirit, a certain amount of unity should be expected of regenerated believers. The regenerated action of the Spirit redeems and empowers each of us to our unique purpose within his body. So, when we think that we're different members with different giftings baptized into one body, we need to recognize that the differences that we have are for our mutual good. Our gifts are for the body. Reading through in verses 14 to 17, we, <laughs> we we're talking about oh, well, let me look let me at it here. Different, different roles in the body. The idea that we can't start comparing ourselves to one another and say, well, I'm not like them. I must not have a place in this church. I can't sing like Rachel. Well, I must not have a place in the body. I, I can't do audiovisual like Kenton and Nathan. I must not have a place in the body. Who you are has a purpose in Christ's body. Your personality has a place in the body. This is part of who you are, part of who God made you and designed you to be. Your abilities Whatever they might be, have a place in the body. God knew who you were going to be when he made you. He understood you were going to be a part of his church. It's not like God just, I don't know, rubber stamped your requisition form when you came into the world and said, well, I don't know what this person's going to do. No, you're a custom job. God knew exactly how you were going to fit into the church. The gifts that you have, the who, the who of you, that has a place in the body. Your gifts, the gifts of others that you don't have, they're for your benefit as much as as the rest of us. Like, what can't you do? Somebody else can. Somebody else in the church can do that. Your shortcomings and limitations are normal. We want to do everything. Like, it's it's, it's like Paul's talking about. I'm not an I, therefore I must not be part of the church. I don't have this particular gift. I must not be part of the church. You know, your, your limitations are normal. They're part, they're part of what it means to be human. And in, in a lot of ways, your limitations reflect God's design. The Trinity, we know, is a community. The Trinity is not monolithic. The, the Trinity is a union of different people, different persons, I should say. Christ, the Father, the Spirit, they exist in community in the Trinity. And so our life in the body also reflects that community nature. In community, we reflect the reality of God, the communal reality of God, the relational reality of God, the interconnected reality of God. We need to have the the humility to recognize our limits. We don't need to be ashamed of those things. Our society puts a huge emphasis on independence and self-sufficiency. We're not meant to be that way. We're not actually meant to be that way. Have the humility to recognize your limits so you don't overcommit yourself. That might be a first one. We talk a lot about how busy we are. Do you think it might be because we're trying to do everything at once? Stuff that we're really not designed or supposed to do? Here's Here's a body illustration. Uh... I have never done CrossFit. I never want to do CrossFit. It just seems awful. CrossFit is a, is a really intense fitness program. And, and it's designed to get people amped up, pumped up, and go, 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 go. And it'll target, a, it'll target muscle groups, and it'll work them, work them like crazy, and then you'll switch immediately to another muscle group and work it like crazy. And... Uh, Something that can happen when you do that is, is uh, let me see if I got this. Ask your doctor. Rhabdomyolysis. Ask your pharmacist or doctor. <laughs> um, rhabdomyolysis is a, I'm going I'm to try and give the Cliffs Notes version of this. Your muscles work themselves to pieces, and they disintegrate into your bloodstream, and then your kidneys have to filter them out. And that's like something's wrong with that. Like you can, you can, I kid you not, die from this disease. Imagine working, working out to death. It's possible. So that's because people aren't recognizing the limitations of their own bodies. It's like your, your, your calf muscles aren't designed to work that way. Your, your arm muscles aren't designed to work that way. Your body members aren't designed to put out that level of performance. We have our limits. It's meant to be that way. We, we have an upper limit. We're not supposed to push beyond that. The body of Christ is meant to take care of itself. Where I and someone else is gifted. That is by design. Have the humility to recognize your limits so that others can bless you. God gives us a, a wonderful opportunities to do his work. To cook a meal for somebody in Jesus' name, that is him giving somebody care. He invites us into his work. When we we don't have the humility to recognize our own limits, we take away from someone else the, the permission, the space and the ability for them to recognize and realize who they are and who they've been created to be within the body. We need to be limited and humble so that God can demonstrate his presence and power by caring for people in amazing ways through us caring for one another. So we're different members working together to form one body. And so what does body life look like? I just have a few, a few points I wanted to hit. A few ideas that we can think about as we think about what it means to live as separate members in community, in diversity, caring for one another. Body life needs to be lived in recognition that Christ is the head of our body. Christ is the one who bore the consequences for our sin. Christ took the responsibility for our behavior onto himself. Stuff like ways that we rebelled against God in the past, ways that we will rebel to God. He took the responsibility and the consequences for all of that. We need to, we need to, we need to really watch ourselves, really watch ourselves when we live in, when we live in believer life, when we live in church life in body life, we need to remember that, we're not living for ourselves. We're living, we're living Christ-directed lives. We're living Christ-led lives. He being the head of our body. He being the one who dictates our purpose and our direction and our circumstances. That can be kind of a hard pill to swallow when the circumstances are hard. Um, I was reading in Romans 14 the other day. And uh, one of the things that it reminded me was that as we have been gifted differently, we have been convicted differently as well. Paul talks about how, as an example, some, some people in, in Rome were convinced that eating meat wasn't right. And some people really didn't care. Both of those people, both of those groups of people were living regenerate lives, and what Paul said is that, you know what? It is not the responsibility of the vegetarians to tell the guys eating meat, you're doing it wrong. It wasn't, it, it wasn't their job in their convictions to say that my convictions are the only way to live a life under Christ. If I am living convicted and convinced by the Spirit that what I am doing is for His glory, I must stay that course because my life is directed towards Christ the head. What I should not then do is I should not then look at the servant, the brother, the sister next to me, who is also living a life in conviction by the spirit directed towards Christ the head. I must not now say to them, you're doing it wrong. What I should instead say to them is how are you serving Christ? The conversations that we have with each other should not be ways for us to enhance or, or increase division amongst ourselves to part off body members, to to disembody thing and have him walk away over here because you're not a hand or you're not a nose. You're doing it wrong. (laughs) Let us instead spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Instead of finding fault with one another, Let us encourage each other to serve as we are gifted and as we are enabled, as we have been created to do. Christ is the source of the spirit that gifts us. He's the source of our life. And Christ is glorified through his body. Jesus said to his disciples that it is better for the spirit to come and for him to leave than for him to stay there. That's a crazy thought. We, we, I think that, that comes hard to believe because it seems much more accessible to have a physical flesh and blood person that I can talk to. How could, that be, how could that not be better than having a spirit who indwells all of us? I think part of recognizing what Jesus meant is to remember that his spirit indwells his body. And in a lot of ways, we are his presence now. We are that physical presence. A person who doesn't know Jesus isn't going to have a chance to hear him preach on the Mount of Olives or by the Sea of Galilee. But a person who wants to know Jesus can look to the scriptures and to his body. You might be the closest thing anybody ever sees to jesus as part of his body you bear his name this is one of the this is one of the 10 commandments do not bear the name of the lord your god in vain this does not just count in like flippantly using it by way of a profanity or by by uh i don't know praying that your football team is going to win in the super bowl um But this also has to do with bearing the name and the identity of Christ. We read in Acts that people started to call the the members of the way, the first members of the church, they started to call them Christians, little Christs. If somebody was to look at your life, would they see a little Christ? Or would would they see someone else? Would they see someone like... I don't know, like a businessman or would they see a political activist or would they see a soccer mom or a hockey player or when people look at you, do they see Jesus or do they, do they see some other part of your identity in life that you've chosen to camp on and define yourselves by? Yeah, we, again, we need, to, we need to really pay attention to what kind of life we're living. And if someone who doesn't know, if someone who doesn't know Jesus is to look at us, are they going to see Jesus? How shall we live? This is kind of my closing, my closing question and, and my encouragement to you. to to remember what is our place in this world? What is our calling? What is our our purpose? We shall live, I say, in submission to Christ because he is our head, the head of our body. He's the one who's turning us in a new direction. He is the one who is He knows he's the one that, that knows my hand doesn't know what I'm doing right now. It just knows what my head is telling it to do. My feet don't know what I'm doing right now. They're obeying me by standing me straight in front of, in front of you. My head knows what's going on. My head understands what happens after this. My head understands what's happening now and why we're here. Does Christ not understand what's happening now? Does he not understand how each of us as members of his body must function so that we can care for each other? As we live in submission to Christ, we must live in service to each other. We're reminded in John thirteen thirty-five that that people, people will know that we are disciples of Christ by how we love one another. And this is what connects us back to the most excellent way, which is to operate out of love. If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but don't have love, it's just so much noise. If I have, if I have all kinds of understanding and, under, and, and like can plumb the deep mysteries of, of the universe, but I don't love, well, what does that matter? If I have a Facebook presence and don't have love, what am I really doing? If I, if I have the ability to cook a meal and deliver it to someone else, but I don't have love, I'm just a really good chef. If I have a pickup truck that I can move somebody's, move somebody's personal belongings in so they can get from one, one apartment to another, but I don't have love, I'm just a courier service. If I'm, if I'm studying for a master's degree so I can have it on a piece of paper, but I don't have love, I'm just a professional student. In, in, it is that love reality that underpins everything that we do. That is what makes us Christians. That's what makes us Christians. In operating out of love, we embody Christ the best. In recognizing our purpose and personality and acting out of love, we are the best embodiment and part of the body that we can be. So how shall we live? We shall live, I say, in loving sacrifice to our neighbors, to each other within the body, and to those who need yet to see and meet Jesus. Like, this is, my, this is my call and my urging to us as the church. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Listen to his word. That's how you're going to understand what the head is asking of you. Remember love. Always, always remember love. Because he loved you first. Let's pray. Let's pray in the hope and the trust that the Spirit of God has created us and empowered us and unifies us for his work and his purpose and for the glory of God. Dear Father, I'm just one guy. We are just one person in your church. We're not God. We can't do it all. We're not supposed to. Father, I'm sorry for thinking I could. Let me, Father, please give me understanding by your spirit who I am to be in your service as part of your church. Let us be your body united, differently gifted, differently convicted and led. But let us be united. Let us be a community that embodies your presence here on earth and that shows our neighbors who do not yet know you what you are like. Let us walk strong, Father. Give us strength and peace. Assure us by your spirit that you know what's happening and give us obedient hearts that we may do what you are directing us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.